Official numbers suggest that yoga is practiced by tens of millions of Americans and then by millions more around the world. Its roots are in India, but in spite of that, yoga has been embraced even by Christians. My guest was born and raised in India and has done extensive study into the roots and the philosophy of yoga. His name is Ivan Raj. I'm John Bradshaw, and this is Our Conversation. Ivan, great to see you again. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me, Pastor. I am thrilled to be able to talk to somebody who's done a great amount of study and research Mm -hmm. into yoga and its roots and its meaning and its effectiveness and so on. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's start talking about you you for a minute. You're a Christian believer today. You weren't raised in this country or in any Western nation. You were raised in India. So where are you from? So I'm from Chennai. I was born and raised in Chennai. Now you've got to explain to us sure. where Chennai is. So Chennai is located in the southeast uh, part of India. Okay. It is the capital of a state called Tamil Nadu. All right, all right, all right. So you were born and raised in India. What was your religious background like? The, 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 the overwhelming majority of Indians are Hindu, but in your case? So I was raised in a Christian family. My mom's side, her parents were raised by Lutheran missionaries from Germany, so we've been Christians uh, through like three or four generations. And uh, so I, my mom was church hopping at that time looking for the truth. And then we discovered the Adventist faith in 1993. Now, I'm interested. I, I, I didn't even know that I've ever asked an Indian friend this. What's it like to be a Christian hmm. in India? Now, I know that might vary from place to place because in some places there's a lot of hostility towards Christians. But you're clearly the odd one out mm. as a Christian and not a Hindu in India. How does that play out in practical terms for, a, for someone growing up in India? Generally, Christians are respected in India. There are pockets and places and certain places in India where Christianity is not good and Christians are not treated well. But for the most part, Christians are favored so did, did you attend a Christian school or public school? Uh, I attended a Hindu school. Oh, right, so explain that to me. Yeah. So Christians are respected, you, you were saying. So in the South, there's tolerance yeah. towards Christians. Yeah. But, but still, how's that being, you know, maybe the only Christian in your class or in your friend group? Was that tense or difficult? Was it complicated? How was that? Uh, not really. There was no tension as such. There was no complications. I still have all my friends, I still communicate with them. Most of them are Hindus, and uh, many of them are also Muslims as well. Um, So generally, if we are nice to people, people are nice to us. That's what I've noticed uh, growing up in India. And especially Christians, uh, the Hindus, they actually love Jesus Christ. They love Christ. They love the message of Christ. And they love that, uh, you know, Christians don't involve in uh, quarrels and uh, discriminations and things like that. Uh, and so, therefore, because in Hindu, because in Hinduism, there's a lot of uh, issues with regards to caste system, yes. discrimination based on that. Whereas in Christianity, all of us are made in the image of God, so that actually helps uh, to win favors with Hinduism. Yeah, with L- let's talk about the caste system for a minute. I want you to explain it to me. And what I found really interesting, I read an in-depth article recently talking about how the caste system 
can follow Indians around the world. Yes. People working in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. when it is discovered that you are from a certain caste, it's over. You yes. will never get promoted. I'm saying in certain places, this is not accepted, but it's, it's just, it's deeply ingrained. Talk about what that caste system is, how it works back home in India. Sure. So caste system, basically there are three main deities in Hinduism, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. So according to Hinduism, the priest class, skin color also is like light skin, they came out of the Brahma's forehead. And then the the warrior class and the kings and the queens, they came out of his chest. So the people who do the labor labor work such as, uh, let's say, cleaning the toilets, a cobbler or a hairstylist, these people came out of the feet of uh, that particular god. Mm. And that means that they are bound to be in that strata in perpetuity. Yes. So the, the person from the caste, the lower caste, can become a doctor? They can become a doctor, but still, uh, even till today, people look down upon such people. Oh, so even yeah. a, even a now, doctor from a lower caste is yeah, looked down on? Yeah, yeah. So what you're saying, though, even if you're born in a low caste, there is upward mobility. That's mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. But difficult, right? Difficult, yes. Difficult. Because you're discriminated against. Yes. You apply for a job, you are from a certain caste. Yes. You are not getting the yes, job. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, because in the... In the application form, they will ask, what is your caste? Oh, they ask. They, they will ask. Front. Yes, yes, yes. You know, in the United States, we would not be able to allowed to ask that question. Yeah, but in India, they ask that question. That's a brutal system. Yeah. It's, I mean, it just strikes me as really interesting that something so patently racist yeah. and discriminatory yeah. can exist in such a large democratic country. Yeah, yeah. And it's tolerated. I mean, the rest of the world, no one, no one from around the world sanctions India because they discriminate against people at the bottom of the, of yeah. the, of the right, bottom rung of the ladder. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm not saying they should. It's just a, yeah. a fascinating dynamic. But anyway, you came to the United States as yeah. a young man, as a teenager? Uh, no, around a decade ago, I worked for an IT company. Uh, I used to work in uh, Santa Clara in California. Uh-huh. And then I moved to the East Coast, and God opened up the opportunity for me to work at a Jewish uh, place uh, into sales and marketing. Yes. Um, so that's where I actually developed a personal relationship with Christ, in New York City. I don't know that too many people can say that. <coughs> <laughs> okay, I've said that flippantly. Sure. Uh, so you're working in IT. Mm. Now you're fully involved and immersed in working in Christian ministry. Yeah. My guess is that IT pays better than Christian ministry. Absolutely. So tell me about how that, that, that transition came about and how you were able to make that decision to change your lifestyle, your income, and go all in with God. How did it happen? Wow, okay. <laughs> so uh, in New York City, there were a lot of challenges, as uh, financial challenges as well. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I, before I quit my IT job, I was a nominal Christian. And after my mom passed away, I, I realized that I needed someone in my life to guide me. And I obviously, I did uh, not find any human at that time. So I did some research on other religions, on Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism. And I found that uh, Bible made perfect sense. In every angle I tested it, it, it made perfect sense. It's interesting to me that a Christian from India 
would study Hinduism. Mm. You were studying to see whether that's where the truth and the light was? Yeah, yeah. And you found, what, what convinced you about the Bible? Uh, because when I read the text in the Bible, I felt like, um, I felt the presence of God, like it was special to me. When you read other religious books, it was a story. You're reading a story. Yes. And also they were, they were very confusing as well. Mm. And then you dived into Christian ministry. How did that opportunity come and what sort of courage did it take to take that step? Sure, sure. So I came across this text in Isaiah where God asked Isaiah, who will go for us? Yes. And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. So I felt like I should say the same answer. I felt like God is asking me that question, who will go for us? So I signed up. <laughs> when I signed up, I resigned from my IT job. Yeah. And uh, then different turn of events, I felt impressed to start a carib business. Mm. Uh, while I was at that time, I was actually into sales, uh, yeah. working for a Jewish place. I, I was the only Sabbath keeper. The owners were not Sabbath keepers. Even though they were Jewish? Yeah, they were not. So when I asked them uh, for Sabbath off, like when I was being interviewed, I asked them, I need Sabbath off. Can you grant it? So the interviewer leaned to the front and he said, are you Jewish? I said, no. Uh, why are you so, so stuck on Shabbat? And uh, then he said, okay, I respect that. We respect that. We'll give you Sabbath. But you should come to work on Sundays. I said, sure, I'll work on Sundays. So carob business. Yeah. Explain, explain what carob is. I mean, I know, I know, I know carob. I like carob. Yeah. Yeah. Me and carob are old friends. But someone's going, did he say sure. carob, carrot business? Carob. <laughs> explain carob. So after my stint at uh, this Jewish place, uh, this company, after that, uh, God put in my heart. I, when I say God, I really felt very strongly uh, to start a carob business, a carob truffle business. Um, when I passed a, a chocolate store, it had beautiful chocolates, uh, but there were not many people there. So that image st- uh, stuck in my mind, and I thought, okay, I have to start making carob truffles. But at that time, I did not know how to make them, nor to cook anything at that time. So I sent a text to my friend Heidi Tompkins, asking if she knows anybody who can make carob truffles. At that time, she was also looking for opportunities, and she was a Bible worker, and you know her well. Yeah, oh yeah. And she replied, yes, me. So then we got together, and, and God gave the business plan. When I fasted and prayed, God gave me the name and the logo, everything. Uh, so that's how it started, as Heidi's Health Kitchen in yeah. 2014. Yeah, fantastic. And now you have a, we're, we're going to talk to Heidi one of these days. Yeah. And, and ask you to tell what I think is a very exciting story. So, so now you're immersed in Christian ministry. Yeah. Now, l- let's transition over to your latest project. I know you've been very active. You're based in New York City. Yeah. Health fairs, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of outreach and, and, and working for the benefit of the communities in which you live and work. But recently, you've made it your study to dig into yoga and its roots and its philosophy and its meaning. Yeah. Yoga today is very popular. And what's fascinating is it's become popular even among some Christians. Explain what yoga is, just on the surface. We'll dig deeper. But on the surface, what is yoga? Sure. Yoga is a Hindu ritual. The word yoga means to marry, to connect, to unite, to combine, 
to become one with that's what yoga means to yoke with mm-hmm. now most people thinking of yoga would say stretching and and strange positions and maybe contortions with your arms and legs and hands outstretched and so forth what is it about yoga as you've studied it that makes it attractive to westerners i'm not asking about christians that's my next question sure why has yoga attracted the attention of people in the west it came from the east why is it taken off here mm. so quick answer quick results actually people do lose weight people do get benefits health wise mentally and and physically initially sure so what happens is when that person starts a yoga studio and teaches that the students also get quick results so that means the person makes quick money it's a lot of money involved and in it's a billion multi billion dollar industry now yeah. in the west yeah uh, so that is what the attraction is regarding yoga because it does help a person to get flexible yeah that's right let's talk about the the benefits of yoga yeah uh stretching yeah i i'm i'm going to suggest this it's not just the physical movements that one does that, that because to stretch and to be limber is got to be good yeah there's relaxation yeah there there is clearing the mind yes even just the idea of taking the time to dedicate to yoga you're squeezing other useless things out of your life you're telling your whole life i do this i'm health conscious i'm oriented to do something for the good of myself a lot of benefits yes mm-hmm. okay so on the surface we would say benefits on the on the surface we would say benefits now why do you think it's become attractive to christians let's keep in mind this is a hindu practice why has it become why have christians cottoned on to this yeah because uh, what some organizations have done is they have uh, christianized this hindu ritual and they have branded it as uh, holy yoga christian yoga one number 2 is instead of the chants they say read psalms yeah say the for example psalm 23 as you're stretching or recite or or just um, share the certain stories like uh, incidents from jona talk about that as you're stretching with your kids so the kids will learn bible and also stretching at the same time okay so now what i know is that before we're done you are going to tell me hmm. that christianity and the activities of yoga are incompatible Correct. i know you're going to tell me that but we're going to talk about the why that's incompatible and we may even come back to that uh, a, a little later on so it's taken off like wildfire hmm. you'll see churches advertising uh you come here for yoga class i've mentioned that yoga is hindu see here's what i've seen in in, in the news uh hindu leaders in india angry with the west hmm. saying why are you taking our hindu practice and calling it western yes why are you taking our hindu practice and calling it christian one might want to call this cultural appropriation uh why do hindu leaders some of them now you have the current prime minister of india who's a hindu priest he's very happy to spread the gospel of yoga but we we'll, we'll get back to that later why are some hindus upset that the west is taking yoga and practicing yoga why would they be bothered yeah because uh, first of all in india yoga was not big 
at all. Only very few Hindu schools, like I studied in a Hindu school for some years, and I used to do yoga because I was taught yoga. So only very few Hindu schools were teaching yoga at that time. And they know Indians or Hindus noticed that, uh, oh, these guys are making a lot of money off our ritual. So that's one. Number two is uh, many people have modified the uh, objective of yoga and commercialized it. So that also is not something that people like uh, in India. I think another reason they do this, Ivan, is because they know it's a religious practice. Yes. And you are doing our religious practice for your own end without respect to the religion. Correct. Exactly. I think one of the questions that, that everyone's asking is, well, can't you just do it and not do the religion part? So, uh, so, so I want to ask you that. So we're going to do yoga. Come, come to my church basement. We'll do a bunch of yoga. Well, we're just stretching. We're just stretching and we're having a happy time together. Mm-hmm. Well, where's the harm in that? Sure. So yoga stretches are not just regular stretches. The, the stretch in yoga, each stretch has a meaning to it. So there's a, for example, there's a pose called warrior pose, warrior one, two, and three. Okay. So in the warrior pose, the person stretches in certain angles. What they're doing is basically they are doing the act of beheading, which happens in Hindu mythology. That's one example. Okay. And also, basically, yoga is sun worship. So, uh, so the stretches have meaning, and the stretches have to be done in a certain sequence. You can't change the sequence. Uh, they have to be done in a certain sequential order in order to play out the Hindu story or the Hindu mythology. Uh, not only in Hinduism, if you take Islam, in Islam also there is stretching. Okay. Physical expression of worship. So yoga stretching is a Hindu ritual. It is a physical expression of worship. You can never separate. You can never separate yoga from Hinduism. It's not possible. Because yoga is Hinduism. It is Hinduism. Who says so, Ivan? Is that you saying so? Or are there others who, who say that there same thing? There are people say, who say the same thing, that uh, yoga cannot be, it is rooted in Hinduism. What, what, what kind of people say this? Uh, the gurus, the yoga gurus say that in India. Indian yoga gurus, very popular gurus say that. Okay. So, so yoga leaders will tell you, you can't separate yoga and Hinduism. You can't separate, yeah. So which means then that whether they intend to or otherwise, you've got Christians practicing Eastern mysticism, yeah. what we would call Hindu worship. They may say what they want, yeah. but ultimately that's what they're participating in. Correct, correct. Okay, okay. There's, there's a lot to cover. We're just beginning. We're scratching yeah. the surface. I want to talk to you about the philo- philosophy of yoga, sure. where it came from, who were some of the figures involved in sure. yoga at the earliest times. His name is Ivan Raj. I'm John Bradshaw. This is Conversations brought to you by It Is Written, and we will be back with more in just a moment. It was 1882 in Western North Carolina when 19 men and boys drowned in the Tuckasegee River in what was a terrible accident. It was an accident that should never have happened. In post-slavery America, the men, like so many others, had been leased to the state as cheap labor. Convict leasing existed in the United States for decades. The practice calling into question our notions of freedom. Don't miss 
Free Indeed, filmed on location in North Carolina. As we look into the subject of freedom and ask the question, are you really free? Find out where true freedom can be found and learn that you don't have to be a slave to the old life. Watch Free Indeed on It Is Written TV. Hello, I'm Dr. Wes Youngberg, and I've just written a book called Memory Makeover, How to Prevent Alzheimer's and Reverse Cognitive Decline. This book is in story form. It's case studies of individuals that I've worked with and my colleagues I've worked with where they've actually been able to stop cognitive decline and 80% of the time have been able to reverse aspects of cognitive decline. If you want to know more about that, get the book Memory Makeover. Welcome back to Conversations brought to you by It Is Written. I'm John Bradshaw. My guest is Ivan Raj, who is the producer of a series called Yoga Unboxed. What we're going to discuss here, I think, is fairly in-depth. But if you want real in-depth, I would encourage you to watch what is now a five-part series with more parts being added. The intent is to stretch this out to a 17-part series on yoga. So you can watch or support the work of Ivan in this field by going to yogaunboxed.com. And when you get there, you'll know what to do. Ivan, let's talk about the the philosophical underpinnings of yoga. Where did it come from? Who were the movers and shakers? How did it get started? How did it develop? Let's talk about that. So as I mentioned, yoga means to unite. And so then we have to ask a question, unite with whom? Exactly. With what? So yoga is to unite with the source of yoga. Then we have to ask a question, who is the source of yoga? That's right. I mentioned there are three main deities in Hinduism, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, right? So the word Shiva means that which is not. That which is not. It's not, that's what they say. So they also say he is everywhere and nowhere at the same time. He's also called as the universe. A lot of people in the West say, the universe helped me. I'm going to talk to the universe. Sure. That is Shiva. Hmm. Most of the Shiva temples are built facing south, all over the world. So the Shiva devotees have to worship Shiva facing the sides of the north. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. And uh, he always, not always, in, in some of his forms, one of his forms actually, he has a serpent around his neck. And uh, he carries a trident uh, or a pitchfork and on it is a tablet, a drum. Hmm. And to mesmerize a serpent, there's a pipe. The snake charmers use a pipe. So pipe and timbrel are part of his instruments. And he's also called in a Sanskrit language, the ancient Indian language, uh, as uh, Ardhanarishvara, which means uh, half male and half woman. So mm. androgynous. Yeah. He's also depicted as an androgynous god. And uh, there are also images of uh, him in an Ataraja form. He's the lord of the dance. He's the lord of acting. He's the lord of music, according to Hinduism. So, so make the connection here between Shiva and yoga. Yeah. So, um, so when a person practices, 
yoga eventually their mind will be drawn towards shiva they'll they'll connect with the universe which is shiva that's the point huh? that's the point of it yes and you become one or the person the practitioner becomes one with shiva when it happens then the person loses their identity the i is erased now what i'm saying is not just from my mouth all major yoga gurus teach that i am not my body i am not my mind so that means i don't know if i'm a male or a female i don't know who i am anymore because i'm one with the universe i mixed up with the universe shiva now if someone would have rolled into a a yoga class a yoga yoga class not something that some dear lady at the local church is doing in the church yeah. basement if you were to sign up for real yoga whatever that means as real as it can be the instructor would tell you okay the reason you are here is what you are going to experience is what would they tell you uh they will say uh that you will experience peace of mind after this you'll be relaxed and people will be relaxed sure. it it does happen uh but what happens is after they come out of that that, that yoga studio again their regular mindset comes back sure. so the person has to go back over and over and over to get that type of relaxation and what happens is um um so the the frontal lobe is shut gets shut eventually so the person will say uh come you're going to get relaxation and people will experience deep sleep uh, relaxed the body will be very relaxed and calm um those things will happen so that's what people use as a pitch yeah. to invite attendees philosophically what's the intent the uh, i'm the yoga guru you're my student my intent from from a from a philosophical or religious perspective i'm to impart what or what's the point sure, of this two things aham brahmasmi i am god second i will not surely die who says that that is the purpose of yoga explain that because everybody who walks into a yoga studio knows they're going to die so what's that philosophy yeah so they teach uh, reincarnation yeah sure so what they say is when a person keeps on doing this practice eventually they will not be reincarnate i'm sorry they will not die they will not surely die they are going to become divine so the purpose of yoga is to extract the divinity that is within the human that is that's what the teaching is yeah so that's the purpose of yoga mm-hmm. to, to connect the human with the divine mm-hmm. and to bring out the divine in you yes you are god yes yes well it's very interesting but someone's screaming at the tv screen right now they're saying but that's not what we do that's not what we do at church we don't do that why should anybody be bothered or care or object to the idea of a yoga class taking place at church sure bible tells us the author and finisher of our faith is jesus christ so who is the author of yoga not jesus christ so if as a christian I continue and pursue teaching or learning yoga, practicing yoga. That means I'm saying that Christ is not adequate for me. But Mrs. Smith or Mrs. Lee or Mrs. Washington or somebody is saying but I'm not saying that. But I'm not saying that. They're doing it but they're not saying it. Is that a, is that is that a legitimate approach? No, no, because uh 
because yoga again yoga stretches are rooted in so there are six schools in hindu philosophy okay out of the six schools uh one school is called samkhya which means numbers and it is a theory part and the other one is yoga it is the practical part of samkhya which is from hinduism okay so what you're telling me is that yoga doesn't exist in a vacuum no no it's no. the practical part of a certain Some, philosophy yes yes hindu philosophy explain that yeah so um so there are like uh, magic like how to make magic potions and how to make natural remedies those are all different philosophies in hinduism like ayurveda for example sure. ayurveda is ayurveda is rooted in hinduism uh, martial arts is rooted in hinduism mm. so anything that comes from the east is rooted in hinduism from india anything that comes from the east whether china japan korea doesn't matter they all for example if you take reiki reiki uh, the the founder of reiki was a japanese man professor i believe and uh, he was a buddhist and buddha was indian yeah. buddhism is from india so all of these have roots in hindu uh, hinduism all the eastern religions and all of these religions have these two concepts you will not surely die you are divine Yeah, I'm fascinated by this. That look, it 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 mystifies me that a, a Christian would want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. You 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 want to get together with your girlfriends or your, or your your boyfriends, whatever they might be, with your friends, yeah, and stretch and have a happy time. And it's time to get together. I keep talking about the church basement, and that's all good. But this isn't Christian. This is not. Talk to me about some of the key figures in. yoga over the yeah. years what they stood for what they taught yeah so the first uh, man that actually brought yoga into the united states uh, his name was uh, swami vivekananda but actually before all of that i also want to mention about the serpent that is around uh, is around the neck of uh, shiva yeah so according to hindu philosophy the source of yoga is shiva uh but the main guru or the founder also some people say father some people say is the serpent um and the serpent according to hindu teachings mythology serpent took the form of a human being and he wrote 195 aphorisms means wise sayings mm-hmm. so all of yoga will fit into that 195 wise sayings that supposedly this wise serpent wrote and that is the foundation of all yoga practice so if i'm a christian and i'm reciting let's say psalm 23 or psalm 91 and i keep doing yoga stretches then the stretches i'm i'm attributing it to serpent and the source shiva but verbally i'm just just lip service i'm just reciting um the bible texts so it's a mingling of christianity and hinduism in one so christ doesn't want that to happen christ tells us to yoke with him to unite with him as you were doing the study and and if you get to 17 parts that that means there's an enormous amount of information here was there something that surprised you along the way you said this this was mind blowing or unexpected as you studied about yeah so yoga. according to hinduism the origins of yoga is actually found in the bible genesis chapter 3 verse 1 to 7 according to hinduism yeah in hinduism the mythology says that shiva 
taught yoga to a woman. A woman was the first yoga student. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And the teachings are, you will not die, you will be like gods. There's some very, very strong parallels, at least in the minds of the Hindus and the yoga practitioners. Mm -hmm. They are convinced this is worship and this is inextricably linked with Hindu deities. Yes. There's no way around that. There's no way around that. No way. No way. Uh, Also, on a different note, yoga stretching, like the limbs, the way the postures are, uh, a human body is not designed to do such things. Sure. So I have fitness uh, friends who are fitness trainers, and they tell me that when people keep on practicing yoga and the yoga postures, eventually they're going to have a lot of physical issues. And people do have physical issues first as they keep doing yoga postures. Yeah, very, very interesting. And I know there's a lot to learn, and I think this is a really very important subject because when Hinduism marches into the front door of the Christian church and sets up camp, yeah. I, I don't know that anybody could believe that that's benign mm. in, in any way. We'll cover this more in just a moment. With Ivan Raj, I'm John Bradshaw. Uh, we'll be back with more from our conversation in just a moment. Thank you for remembering that It Is Written exists because of the kindness of people just like you. To support this international life-changing ministry, please call us now at 800-253-3000. You can send your tax-deductible gift to the address on your screen, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Thank you for your prayers and for your financial support. Our number again is 800-253-3000, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. The clock ticks persistently. Every 60 seconds, another minute passes. Every 24 hours, another day. Every 365 days, another year is consigned to history. Life is governed by time. From the alarm clock that wakes you in the morning to the bell that rings to announce the end of class, there's no escaping the relentless march of time. Given that our time on this earth is limited, how can we best use our time? How can we spend our time in a way that encourages spiritual growth and draws us closer to the heart of God? Don't miss Time Well Spent. Learn how God intends time to work for you, to be your ally as you prepare for eternity. How do you find time for the things that you really want to do? And how do you find time for God? Time Well Spent. Brought to you by It Is Written TV. Welcome back to Conversations brought to you by It Is Written. My guest is Ivan Raj. To see his work, his in-depth study on yoga, I would encourage you to visit yogaunboxed.com. You can watch the programs, you can support the work, and you get an education into yoga like you might not have even thought possible. Ivan, a few moments ago, we were talking about the key players in yoga, speaking about the origins of yoga, who delivered this to to following generations. Tell me what you can about that. Yes. So there was this gentleman named uh, Swami Vivekananda who was a guru in India. And he was invited by uh, 
some American religious leaders. So he came from India to the US in late 1800s. And um, he was also part of this uh, Freemasonry as well. And, um, so he was the first uh, promoter of yoga in the US. And after that, there were a couple of others also who came. But each person who came to the US were instructed by Shiva personally to take yoga to the US. Hmm. Uh, Shiva, we're talking about a god Shiva. Yeah, he appeared in different forms to different Hindu gurus. So why do you think it was important to, to Shiva or to the, the powers of darkness to have yoga intentionally brought to the United States? So the way I look at it is we have eight laws of health established by God at creation. Hinduism, in yoga, there are eight limbs of yoga. Mm. So instead of a person in a Christian country subscribing to these eight laws of health which God established, so there's another option that is given to people and it is heavily funded and people make a lot of money uh, having a yoga studio or teaching yoga. So one by one, each of these yoga gurus were brought or sent from India to the United States to teach yoga. So that, and what what they did was, these yoga gurus also wore crosses, a crucifix. So a Western Westerner, oh look, he's wearing a crucifix and he's talking about Jesus Christ. They did talk about Jesus Christ. They did write about Jesus Christ in their books. However. The Jesus mentioned in their books is not the Christ in the Bible. Uh, what's the difference? Uh, the difference is this Jesus that they talk about uh, does not subscribe to the Ten Commandments. Oh. The Christ, as per the Bible, the Creator, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, um, he told us to fulfill, that he has fulfilled the law and he told us to keep his commandments. If, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? So that doesn't exist with this Jesus. Okay. So I, I, I'd expect that many people would be surprised to know. Some might even dispute the claim. I, I don't know how because Hindus make the claim themselves. Yes. Surprised to know that yoga is, is a religious practice and is an expression of worship. Worship of who? And I'm saying this, I don't mean the, the, the underpinnings, but... The yoga teachers, if you know, or, or the theory, would say this is worship of who exactly? Yeah, Shiva. Of Shiva. Shiva. So, there are certain Hindu writings which state that all of the gods are actually Shiva. Sun is Shiva. Lucy or light, sun is also Shiva. So, people say uh, sun salutation. It's a common term in the in the West these days, sun salutation. So a, a Westerner would not know there is actually sun worship. The actual words for sun, sun salutation in Sanskrit is Surya Namaskara. Surya means sun. Namaskara means worship. So, Go ahead. Yeah, but they, 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 instead of saying sun worship, they relabeled it or renamed it as salutation so it will be more palatable to the West. Yeah. To the Christians. It, it, it interests me that Westerners seem to be so vulnerable to Indian philosophies, 
For example, you go back to the 60s and the Beatles made a pilgrimage to India to to talk to uh, Hindu leaders. Uh, Why in the world India? There's a fascination with things Indian. I I saw recently a fellow, an Indian-American guy, I think he was from New York, a filmmaker who created his own bogus sect and set himself up as a guru to see if he could deceive people. And he deceived them like you wouldn't believe. People saying, you have changed my life. I can't believe that I was able to meet you. You've done so much for me. And it was all a hoax. Mm. He wanted to make a film about it to demonstrate whether it was possible to do that. Why in the world are Westerners so vulnerable to Indian philosophies? What do you think that is? What's the attraction? Yeah, so there are two angles to look at it. One is... uh, there are a lot of attractive things in India. First of all, it is very ancient country. Yes, fascinating. Fascinating, right? And the food is great. The food is the best in the world. I tell everybody when we get to <laughs> heaven, Indians will be in charge of food service. <laughs> Nothing like it. Yeah. And so, some of my other friends, we can, we can bless the, the Thais and the Filipinos. Be, they may get called in to help. <laughs> but, the, okay, so the food. Yeah, the food and then the colors and the saris. So amazing yeah. until you've seen it. It's so colorful, so yes. vibrant, very attractive. Yeah. And then the uh, different cultures that live in that land. It's a diverse place. Diverse place. So there's all of this the history, architecture, culture, food, and tradition, You mentioned colors. the clothing. The saris. The, yeah. Uh, beautiful. The, 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 it just looks so fantastic. Yeah. So in the middle of all this, there are, there are teachings, the philosophies. So it's like a sandwich and the main component is sandwiched between the culture and the music and the Bollywood and the elaborate wedding clothes and dresses and weddings themselves. Uh, so it is so attractive for anybody to listen to what these people say because they have so many attractions in their country. What are they saying? So that's one aspect. On the other angle, when truth is diluted, the human mind wants to hope for something else, look for hope elsewhere. So there are two angles. So on one end, truth is diluted. On the other hand, come here. We have so much attraction. So the person goes there, gravitates there. You've identified something really important. People have a spiritual need, Mm. every person. And that spiritual need is going to be satisfied somehow. And if somebody does not get to to that woman or that man with Jesus, they're going to find a Jesus for them. Yes. And that Jesus may be Hinduism or Buddhism or atheism or Islam or yoga or anything. They're going to satisfy the need somehow, aren't they? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And uh, going back to the Hindu gurus, uh, they say, hey, the West, you guys came and took away all our gold. Now you're taking away our yoga. (laughs) What's interesting, they they would say that. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, I don't know who remembers this, but it was done out in the open where Narendra Modi, Mm -hmm. at this time still the Prime Minister of India, promoted yoga to the United Nations. Yes. Now, that's fascinating. I I don't remember the last time religions were promoted overtly out front or religious practices. What do you think is the significance of that? So the significance, uh, he is a big promoter of Hinduism. And uh, so yoga is promoted. United Nations are also 
for children in schools these days and colleges and anywhere everywhere there's yoga doctors prescribe yoga do go to yoga it'll help you so i would say the objective is to promote hinduism to promote hinduism and say look we have these things you guys have you guys have so many health problems if you need a solution come to us we have this and we are ancient people there's an ancient lifestyle so do it it's going to help you what health problems does yoga assist with maybe inflexibility but it 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 is said to or is there evidence that yoga is responsible for alleviating health problems there are statistics uh, where people have uh, stated and people have researched regarding the health issues a person will get when they keep doing yoga for a while or oh, you mean health issues oh, sorry health oh, issues oh well, okay let's get to that in a second i'm asking does yoga alleviate health okay. problems does does it fix anything is is that documented uh yes so to some extent they have documented it but it's not like outright like okay. completely scientific they branded under uh pseudoscience yes yes well that's that's encouraging at least it's, they've got that part right so what you're saying is that in some instances yoga seems to be responsible for initiating health problems many instances actually many instances uh, anybody who keeps doing yoga eventually will have body aches initially the body aches are like cured or healed but as they keep doing it it comes back that is one second is uh, people have digestion issues uh, let's take buddha for example uh, meditation wise uh, buddha died of uh, loose stools after f- almost 40 years of meditation and then there are other gurus also very popular gurus they all died of stomach problems or digestion issues and they're all yogis let me ask you about this because you mentioned meditation and that's something i want to i want to talk to you about how how is how is meditation linked to connected with yoga how how significant a part of yoga is meditation so yoga has eight limbs or eight parts one of the parts is called asana which is the posture yeah and then meditation is one of the other limbs so both are yoga in the past around 500 until around 500 years ago yoga was just meditation sitting in a corner or a place and just emptying your mind so there's also um, certain postures during meditation where the practitioner will close their eyes this way and the nostrils and the mouth and the ears it's called pratyahara ahara aharam aharamu means food um, pratyahara means disconnection of food for the senses like fasting fasting all the senses are shut down uh, so that the person doesn't feel anything around and is disconnected from this world now 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 meditation is a very biblical concept mm-hmm. at least at least let, let me let me cl- clarify this sure. meditation is spoken of in the bible there is a christian form of meditation there is a biblical form yes. of meditation but what about this hindu yoga form of meditation right. what's that about sure and, and is that comparable to biblical meditation completely different eastern meditation is completely different from bible meditation bible tells us to meditate upon god's law upon god right whereas the hindu meditation says empty your mind bible tells us let this mind be in be in you which is also in christ jesus this one the eastern meditation says no empty your mind separate your mind from your thoughts separate yourself from thoughts 
So uh, there's also breathing exercises in meditation where they say just uh, sit quietly or in a quiet place and focus on your inhalation and exhalation. Inhalation and exhalation. And the purpose of that is what? They say then you'll be able to focus and achieve much more. That will help your brain to be fine-tuned to focus on your work. It will help the kid if they are running around and being very bratty. So this is going to help them help the kid to calm down. And it will initially. It will initially. But as they keep doing it, it affects the brain negatively. It affects the digestive system. Eventually, people also start having hallucinations and become immoral. Have you, as you've taught this, as you've shared what you've discovered about uh, yoga, have you found there to be much pushback? And if you have, who has it come from? <laughs> pushback, uh, generally, it's from Christians. Christians. And what are they saying when they resist? Uh, because uh, they say we are doing it, we are having benefits. Uh, why do you want us to... You keep saying... Every, uh, they don't say you keep saying, but what they say is... These Christians have no other work. They want to say everything is not good. This is satanic. And uh, somehow they are connecting yoga with plan of salvation. How is it possible? It is just a stretching exercise. How is that connected with plan of salvation? So run back through with me again. We talked about it, but, but it's been a few minutes. Establish again for us the Hinduness of yoga. And you mentioned it's connected to sun worship. Yes, and, and that is even, it, it, it affects the postures and the poses that people do. Yes. Recap that for me. So all the stretches of yoga are physical expression of worship. Let's, for, for example, if I do this, it's a physical expression of worship. Sure. And works. you can tell this person is a Catholic, yeah, a Roman Catholic. Cross, sure. Right? So likewise, if I'm a Muslim, if I do this, it's a physical expression of worship to Allah. Sure, sure. And I've been in mosques and seen yeah. people prostrate themselves yes, on the ground. Yes, I wouldn't see a Baptist do that. Yeah. Or if I did that in a Pentecost, well, if I did that in, in, a, in a Presbyterian church, mm-hmm. people would say, what you're doing is Muslim. Yeah. Whether they object or otherwise, they would recognize yeah. that is a Muslim Posture. thing. So what you're saying is... Mm-hmm. So there are nine postures in Islamic worship. And there's a sequence. So the Muslim does not change the sequence of the stretching uh, when they do the namaz. So it is nine different postures. They have a specific order. So it is an Islamic ritual, which also has health benefits. Okay? So likewise, in Hinduism, there are like 300 plus mil- million gods. Yes. So there's a lot of varieties of stretches. There's also a stretch called fallen angel posture where the person is trained to is trained to stretch and lift one leg of um yeah one leg up and as though touching the feet of heaven fallen angel posture so all of these postures are designed for hinduism to promote hinduism and eventually to marry to yoke with shiva so that's the point of yoga. Yes, that's the path, yeah. You enter into yoga. Mm-hmm. The idea of yoga is to connect you with the Hindu gods. Yes. Yes, correct. I also want to mention, 
we must stretch stretching is important yes. but regular stretching is completely different from yoga stretching i notice that when i present in churches at churches people say how will i stretch then i need stretching so people have completely uh, confused or mixed up stretching with yoga stretching so we all have to stretch it is good for circulation we have to stretch but yoga stretching is completely different from a regular stretch the purposes of hinduism and and of course i'm not criticizing our hindu friends we all have hindu friends but the purpose of hinduism christianity to surrender one's life to jesus to be filled with divinity with with god's presence and be prepared for the second coming of jesus where you and the god of heaven are connected the, the, the god forgives you of your sins and the spirit of god inhabits you and uh prepares you for everlasting life hinduism though what's no. the path there no so the path especially the path that is promoted now for the most part is that i am a, a being and i connect with myself so i don't have to yoke with a god even if i yoke with for example let's take yoga yoga is to yoke with shiva so when i yoke with shiva what it means is i am accepting shiva's teachings he is my master and i become one with him and i lose my identity right so in hinduism what it, what they teach now is that you become one with the universe and you just mix up with the universe you get mixed up and you extinguish your body gets extinguished but your thoughts will come back in a different life that's very different to what the god of heaven offers people through faith in jesus extremely different yes there's no confession of sins and pardon and is there such a thing as sin no because there are no laws actually there's no commandments there are rituals you have to do this you have to do this you have to do this there's no commandments i can see why people would be attracted to this because there's no accountability before no. god yeah and you can be saved by your works and in your sins and that's the foundation for all false religions yeah and also when we take uh, buddhism uh, buddhist buddhism teaches that uh, buddha is not your savior because there are no commandments in buddhism so buddha has nothing to save you from oh no sin no savior no 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 just the right thoughts and right actions but they don't define exactly then what is wrong thought and wrong action there's no definition for that okay so you grew up surrounded by hindus yeah you practiced yoga for some time as a as a kid in school it was part of the curriculum yeah you've come to faith in jesus you were raised a christian come to faith in jesus and you look at people practicing yoga which you've studied extensively what would your counsel be your kind counsel be to somebody who is practicing yoga today even in a christian context yeah how would my you advise that person my kind counsel would be to seek the lord for your health because the author and the finisher of your faith is jesus christ and he has all the solutions for your health issues whether it is mental or or physical issues and uh, if you do yoga you're hurting christ if you do yoga your you will eventually be taken out of the plan of salvation not that christ will take you out but you will drift away from christ 
because you have substituted Christ yeah. with another God another, yes. and chosen to serve and worship that yes. other God. Yes, yes. That's very interesting. I really appreciate your time. Hey, one other thing I wanted to ask you about is this. Several years ago, you had contact with some folks in the Middle East yes. in a non-Christian country that we will not name, uh, Arabic-speaking country, mm-hmm. and uh, they made some inquiries about Christianity. We only got about a minute and a half. So the short story. We sure, could, the we, short story. We got some It Is Written Bible studies to you yes. in Arabic. Yes. What happened? Sure. Um, so I reached out to It Is Written asking for help. So It Is Written generously donated uh, several uh, It Is Written Bible study guides in Arabic and Farsi. And I shipped it to that particular country in the Middle East. And uh, we did Bible studies that way. I don't know their languages, but I used Google Translator. Oh, yeah. And uh, out of that, two gentlemen got baptized. Two were baptized. Two baptized, yes. Isn't that fantastic? Yes. In a Middle Eastern country that we would recognize is closed to the gospel. Yes. That's ah, a great work you did, or a great work God did God, through you. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that you made yourself available. And thank you for your support as well in this ministry. Of course. We <laughs> appreciate you and what you're doing. And very encouraged by what you're doing in teaching about yoga because this is Hinduism. Yes. Um, the Bible says, come out from among them and, and be clean. Yes, uh, be separate. Yeah. Be separate, mm-hmm. yes. Um, we have been counseled to not to be involved in false worship, uh, particularly Christians who believe in true worship. My, we don't want to be mixing up with false worship. So I know this might be challenging for some people, eh? because some folks hold these things very dear, but I'm sure you would agree it's always better to be faithful to Jesus yes. and stand firmly on God's side. Absolutely. Ivan Raj, thank you. I want to remind you, yogaunboxed.com. That's where you can go and find out much more and watch much more of Ivan's scholarship and research into the subject of yoga. I'm so glad you have joined this It Is Written presentation. He is Ivan Raj. I am John Bradshaw. And this has been our conversation. Our conversation.